Are you looking for freedom? Freedom from the daily grind and hustle? Or just finding a way to live the life you always wanted? Then join us on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Our host, Mike Ayala, will help you discover new ways to find freedom with tips, insights, and interviews. You'll learn the exact systems he's used to travel the world and live his best life. True success and happiness are all about freedom. And here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your host, Mike Ayala. Thank you for joining me on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Today, I'm going to discuss what I call the happy career, happy life fallacy. And, you know, there's a lot of conversation uh, going on out there. I talk to people all the time that are wanting to exit their W-2 job. Um, even a lot of people that want to get out of their business, which is just kind of crazy because really when it comes down to it, um, I, I think there's this fallacy out there, which is why I call it what it is. There's this fallacy out there that you have to be, you know, ex- like just so passionate about your career or you have to be so passionate about your business and that's, what's going to make you happy in life. And I think we need to flip that happy life, happy career, happy life, happy investments, happy life, happy business. So I think we've got this twisted on our head. So I was talking with somebody this morning, um, you know, chatting back and forth about this. And, you know, I think back to, um, you know, a farmer or, you know, somebody that was, a, uh, I don't know, let's say a warrior back in the day or a knight or a sheep herder or, you know, all these jobs that used to exist back in the day, um, you know, an iron worker, a blacksmith, if you will. I'm sure that they enjoyed parts of their job and their life, but do you think that, you know, any farmer wakes up every single day or woke up every single day being like, man, I am just so passionate about my career and the fact that there's a drought and, you know, it's harvest time and we've got to pack loads and loads and loads of wagons and the horses and get this stuff to market. I, it's a fallacy. Um, and I know that that's a stretch and things are different and you're probably saying, well, Mike, you know, we, we live in the best time ever. And fortunately we don't have to, you know, be farmers and deal with all that. No, but the reality is the majority of people are unhappy, unfulfilled because they're putting their focus on the wrong thing. And so, you know, happy career, happy life is a fallacy, happy, you know, happy business owner, uh, happy life is a fallacy. We need to flip that on its head. I was having a conversation with Brian Lubin and he asked me, he, he messaged me this morning and he said, uh, you know, by the way, he's a uh, side note, inspiring young man. Um, he's basically left his corporate career, a successful sales career. And, and now he's living in Greece for a while, um, just doing what he loves. Right. And so this is a great example of happy life, happy career, happy business, happy investing. Does that mean everything's going smooth? No. You know, I've been head down you know, knee deep in, in, a, in this mobile home park community turnaround, if you will, because we had supply chain issues and all kinds of, you know, challenges. And the thing about it is you've heard me say this before so many times, but the problems don't get easier. We get better. We get bigger. We learn to deal with bigger problems. The problems that I was dealing with at the age of 24, when I was a new business owner, I would laugh at today because I've grown so much and the things that I used to freak out about and would just cause me to just, you know, lose my shit, excuse the phrase, but I used to just freak out about things that, you know, today don't even matter because I've become bigger. Now here's the thing. The problems get bigger as we start solving bigger issues. And, you know, even let's just bring it back to career for a minute. 
the things that frustrate you in your career are probably because number one, you're solving bigger problems or, or you're challenged or even, you know, you hear this so many times, but, um, I talk to people that are on a corporate career path and they're like, well, you know, above me, there's seven people above me or seven positions above me to get to the, you know, the place that I would want to be, which is, you know, um, the CFO or a chief operating. Everybody wants to climb the corporate ladder. And I understand that. But in this day and age, people are like, you know, there's, there's seven positions that I would have to jump through. And, and most of these people aren't retiring for, you know, another 15 years or whatever. And so that's what gets us frustrated as we're constantly looking at, you know, what the climb is ahead of us rather than, you know, really serving people. And there's this thing right now, and I'm not saying I totally disagree, but I don't, totally agree either where, you know, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. That's, that's kind of crazy to me because yes, right now I'm doing what I love. I love, um, you know, uh, meeting people and, and building relationships and, and connecting people. One of my favorite books is the go-giver. You've, if you've listened to this, you know that I love the Zig Ziglar quote. You can have everything in you in life you want. If you just help enough other people get what they want. So yeah, like I I'm doing what I love right now. But I'll tell you what, there's days where I don't want to show up and record and I'm up against a timeline. There's days where I don't want to show up and, you know, for my coaching calls, that for my coaching clients, uh, you know, I take five one-on-one -on -one coaching clients at a time. It's not a big part of my business, but I just really enjoy doing it. And I coach them for six months to a year, depending on the program. There's days, there's hours where, you know, I've got a, a coaching call scheduled at four o'clock in the afternoon and I'm tired and I'm wore out and I've been on investor calls all day or, you know, we're solving problems because a hurricane is approaching one of our communities in Alabama or North Carolina or where there's, there's problems everywhere. And if we focus on that problem, then that becomes where our energy goes. You've heard the saying that I think Tony Robbins said, where focus goes, energy flows, but circling this back, that whole premise of, you know, if you, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. That is BS because, you know, the thing about it is I love serving people, but I don't necessarily always love the widget or the business that we're building, maybe the business overall, but there's parts of it as we grow and we scale. And, um, you know, even I spend a lot of time talking about this, but the who, not how conversation if I find myself out of energy or out of alignment, or I'm filling roles where it's not in my core skill set, I'm always, you know, like, get out of that, you know, find somebody who not how, find an integrator in your world. Well, the reality is even, and there's this old saying where you, you know, you take, you take two steps forward and then sometimes you feel like you have to take a step back and that's true, but at least you took two steps forward because sometimes even when you find that who not how, or that person in your life, or you find the right vendor or whatever, um, people quit, people move on, people start their own business. I'll never forget my first business partner. Um, you know, we left a company that we were working for. We started our own business. We became a competitor of theirs. And then pretty soon, you know, over time, our technicians would leave and they would start their own business. And my business partner would be so pissed. He'd come in and he'd be like, I can't believe, you know, we spent all this time training them and, and teaching them. And then they go off and they start their own company. And I'm like, yep, just like we did. Right because that's the American way. Nobody started a company that didn't work for somebody else at, at some point for the most part. Um, I know some people have never had a job, but most people work for somebody. And then this is like the e-myth, the classic, classic book from Mark, Michael Gerber, you know, the entrepreneurial myth. And, and the whole thing is, is like the technician is working in a baker or he's a plumber or whatever. And he, 
he's working for his employee and he sees that the plumber's charging 120 bucks an hour and he's only making 35 and he's like, oh man, I could go do this and only charge 65 and still be making an extra $30 an hour. Well, then they go start their business and they realize taxes and, um, you know, car payments. And I'll never forget when we first started the plumbing company, this will show you how naive and green I was. I'll never forget the first year I think we launched and I think we opened our business in June or July. And by the end of that year, we were doing almost a million in revenue and had 19 employees and my P&L, I never lost, we never had a year where we weren't profitable in that company. But I, that first year, I remember sitting down with our accountants and, and I think our P&L showed that we made like 250 or $300,000 of profit or something like that on the P&L. And I remember asking the accountants, I'm like, where's this money? Because you look at the bank account and there's only like $45,000 in there or whatever the number was. And, and they just kind of looked at me cross-eyed because what I didn't understand was that, you know, debt service goes to the balance sheet, the amount of payments that you're making on your loans, that all goes to the balance sheet and your receivables are on the balance sheet. It's not part of your P&L. So even though your business profit and loss statement shows that you made $45,000, like I don't, or excuse me, $300,000, I only have $45,000 in the bank. So I was like, where's this money? And, and not understanding that is part of the challenge. And so anyway, bringing this back, there's some job statistics. Um, this is on careervision.org. Um, if you just Google careervision.org job uh, satisfaction statistics. Across America, 45% of workers say that they are either satisfied or extremely satisfied with their jobs. So less than 50% are satisfied with their jobs. Only 20% feel very passionate about their jobs. 33% believe they have reached a dead end in their career. 21% are eager to change careers. Older workers are the most satisfied and most engaged in their work. Younger workers are the most distressed and they feel the least amount of loyalty to their employers. Small firm employees feel far more engaged in their work than corporate counterparts. Job security, healthcare coverage, and professional development are valued above additional compensation. You can go um, read this because there's some suggestions on you know how to increase job satisfaction and stuff. But I thought this was interesting. Older workers are the most satisfied and most engaged in their work. Why? Because number one, they're, they're not part of, um, you know, if you look at resumes today, I remember even just going backwards, you know, five or 10 years ago, when we would look at a resume, you'd see three or four jobs in there, like max. And if somebody had seven or eight or 10 jobs, and they'd, you know, gone to more than three jobs in the last five years, like we just throw their resume out. But nowadays, that's commonplace, because we've got the gig economy, and people are not staying long term. And, and by the way, I understand why, um, you know, un until you, until you number one, and this is the whole premise of this podcast today, until you number one, uh, get satisfied and fulfilled in yourself and your own life, which takes some time and some discovery and self-work, um, you know, your job's not going to make you happy. And then secondly, um, it's getting harder and harder, I think, to find places to work, employers who believe in, you know, longer term uh, and, and it's, I mean, it's almost like a double-edged sword because we've got this generation up and coming that doesn't believe in lifelong careers, which I don't either. There's no way I could stay at one place for 10 years. I can't even stay in a single business for 10 years. Um, so I completely understand it, but also I think there's probably this give and take where, you know, if, if, um, only 20% feel very passionate, there's a lot of things that we can do as employers. So I'm not making excuses around that. We need to build better work environments. We need to build places where people that want to stay long-term stay there and they feel empowered and they feel like they have a place to climb the ladder. But the reality is we live in a day and age and there's a generation that isn't going to stay long-term. And so I think a lot of employers, and again, I'm not making excuses for this, but I think a lot of employers are not investing as much in employees long-term because they know that they're only going to be there two years, three years, whatever. I think that's a wrong way to think about it. 
I heard somebody say one time, a mentor of mine, actually, that um, if if somebody is going through an interview and you, and you know they're entrepreneurial and they have dreams of starting their own business, et cetera, then they don't hire them. And I don't think that that's the right way to look at it. Now, for certain positions, absolutely. But I would rather, for especially for certain types of positions, if we're growing as a company and we want somebody to build out divisions or new initiatives or, you know, um, build out a, a, like I said, a division in a company, I want somebody who's somewhat entrepreneurial. And so if I can bring somebody in that's going to spend one or two or three years with me, but they're very, you know, entrepreneurial and they're going to take, uh, they're going to be, uh, entrepreneurial, if you will, um, they're, they're going to, they're going to lead without, you know, necessarily my hundred percent oversight, et cetera. I'd rather take somebody for one year, two years, three years that could go build something out for me, knowing that this is a mutual agreement and that eventually they might leave. I've had this, I have literally had conversations with people where I knew they were going to not be with me for more than one to two years. And that's okay because it's like, come in, do this role for me and I will actually help you. I mentioned this, but um, the Go-Giver is a great example of this, but also there's another great book called The Dream Manager. And in The Dream Manager, they have this philosophy. It's an abundance mindset. It's not a scarcity mindset where if an employee gets to the point where we no longer serve their dreams and their vision as an organization, then they should move on. I no longer want them there because this is how we get into only having 20% that feel very passionate about their jobs. I don't want to have an organization that where um, I don't want to have an organization like Career Vision's talking about where 45%, only 45% of workers say that they're satisfied or extremely satisfied. That means that 55% of the workers there are not satisfied with their career. So, um, sorry, I'm kind of on a, you know, a, a slant here when it comes to employers and visionaries, entrepreneurs. But the reality is if we flip this on its head, the reason why so many people, and I'll pull this together, the reason why so many people are unsatisfied in their careers is because the this fallacy that I was talking about. When I, if I'm passionate about what I do, I'll never work a day in my life. And so, even you know, gurus and and people that you know, I, this is the Investing for Freedom podcast, and I want people to find their freedom. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to quit your W two job. In fact, I would encourage you to really think about this and maybe double down on your job because the worst thing you could do, and I've said this before, but one of, one of the books that nobody talks about that Kiyosaki wrote was Before You Quit Your Job. Nobody talks about that book because it's not a sexy title. So I would encourage you, maybe you need to double down on your W-2 while you're building your investment portfolio. This inevitably happens all the time. We get excited, and I was. I was extremely excited about buying homes and buying mobile home parks and buying businesses, or uh, excuse me, commercial buildings for our businesses that we were, you know, placing them in. I was so excited about real estate. And then when I sold my business in 2014 and I went full-time into real estate, I realized that, you know what, this is just another business. And what I was passionate about before was building passive income. But the fallacy, another fallacy is that, you know, real estate investing or buying businesses or whatever is passive. The reality is the majority of real estate investing is not passive. And another reality is the majority of investing in businesses is not passive. Unless you take the time to build out an internal team or you hire a management team, um, it's not passive. The, the only really true passive real estate investment is when you invest with someone like us, which that was not the point of this. But if you're interested in investing with us, text the word deals to 480-531-7519-480-531-7519. Text the word deals to that. And you can look at truly passively investing with us. 
So if you put 50K or 100K with us, if you're an accredited investor, it's truly passive because we've built the business. We have a management team. We have an investment team. And so you can deploy capital with us and truly be passive. But the majority of investing in real estate is not passive. And the majority of investing in businesses is not passive. Heck, even as you're scaling a business, what most business owners want is not to get out of their business. I talk to people all the time that are not only not satisfied in their W-2 job, they're not satisfied in their business and they want to sell their business. They want to get out of their business. Why? Because they're looking for something different and the fallacy of happy career, happy business equals happy life is just that. It's a fallacy. The reality is, like I was saying, we need to flip that on its head. You need to get happy with your life. You need to get happy with you and your family and traveling. And even like, this is what I was going to say. Most business owners that want out of their business, they don't fully want out of their business. In fact, I've said this so many times, the day I sold my business was the best and worst day of my life. Why? Because I'm 34 years old and I'm retired. I have enough money to live on for 10 to 15 years. And if I invest that properly, then it's even better. Um, but I had enough money to you know, live for 10 years without even investing, no problem, and live well. But the fallacy in all that is it was the best and worst day of my life. Why? Because I woke up and I realized that I had no worth. I had no value. I wasn't contributing to society. Um, that it wasn't giving back. And so this whole idea of if you find something that you're passionate about, you'll never work a day in your life. Well, that's true. But the reality is it's hardly ever about the widget. Somebody asked me, like when you started your plumbing and heating company, were you just so excited about plumbing? No, I was excited about serve. This is true. I was excited about serving people with a customer service experience that was better than the way that I was seeing it done at that point in time. This was 2004. And all of my competitors were from the 70s and 80s. Literally every single one of them in that market had started during that time frame. And they were just, as a, as a guy that was working in the field, I'd have so many customers that were upset with me because of the way the process was being delivered, how many times the office would cancel or they wouldn't answer the phone or they wouldn't get in touch in a timely manner. And we're in the emergency service-based business. So I wasn't passionate about unplugging sewer drains or you know getting yelled at by customers because their heat was out and a part went bad. I wasn't passionate about that. I was passionate about solving those customers' problems and delivering a customer service experience that was top-notch, better than anyone that was doing it in our market. I used to say this to my technicians. I want to answer, well, not just the technicians, but the office people too. We answer the phone, we book the call, we get out there and we get the job done before our competitors check their voicemail and get back to people. Because most contractors, and this is still a problem today, but it was even worse then, uh, most contractors don't even, you know, check their their messages for, you know, two or three days. And then by the time they get back to somebody, the job's been done for two weeks. And even when they do get, um, this is, and this is still a common problem, even when they do answer their uh, phone or they do check their voicemails and they call the customer back, how many times do they schedule appointments and not show up? So I wasn't excited. I wasn't necessarily passionate about being a plumber. I was passionate about delivering a customer service experience that was world-class and that's what we did in our plumbing and heating company. I was also passionate about treating the technicians and our employees different. I saw, I saw a world where if we trained our technicians and we taught them sales and we taught them, you know, ways to make more money, anytime that a customer would call in and give, it wasn't five-star reviews then because we, you know, didn't, Yelp was just getting started and all of that. But anytime a customer would, um, you know, rant and rave about an employee 
and the job they did, we would put their name card on a dartboard. And every time we had a service meeting every week, the, um, every time they got a compliment, they'd get one dart to throw at the board. When they'd throw that dart, whatever number they hit on the dartboard, they'd get that in dollars as bonuses. And so we just did little fun things like that. And the whole room would just be getting excited when, you know, the technicians were getting to throw those darts or the dispatchers or whatever, everybody would get excited and that would create more, you know, people wanting to offer a better service. So were we passionate about unplugging sewer drains? No, I used to tell my technicians, you know, when you show up at that lady's house, usually it's the, the, the female back then that was the home uh, at home. Now everybody's at home, but, um, you know, a lot of times when you show up at that lady's house, it's a stay at home mom. She's got, excuse me, but you know, black water poo in her bathtub or whatever. She's got a little baby at home. Um, you are Superman. I used to tell my tech, like you're showing up as Superman. So my point in all of this is we don't necessarily have to be passionate about the widget that we're selling. It's passionate about experience. It's passionate about the way we deliver the experience, et cetera. But even more importantly than that, you have to be happy in your life. You have to be happy in what you're doing. You know, there's, there's plenty of days and mo and even more seasons. We go through seasons where our business is scaling. Um, you know, our job is scaling. It's really stressful because, you know, we're, we're running a team and you know, that version of you that's running a 20 person team, if you go backwards 10 years, like that, that version of you 10 years ago would have looked at you today and, and said, man, that was, that's my dream. I want to have that person's role. But the person that's in that role today is frustrated, burnout because they're causing, or they're, they're, um, um, they're burnout because they're solving challenges that, that exist in the business, et cetera. It's, it's a new version of you, bigger problems, bigger solutions, bigger problems in your business require a bigger version of you. Bigger problems in your career require a bigger version of you. So why are only 20% of, why do only 20% of people feel passionate about their jobs? It's because they're not passionate about their life. And so, you know, I'll pull this together. I've said this so many times. I call, I like to think of vacations as recreations because not vacations denote that the reason why we get so excited about vacations is because we're trying to vacate something in our life. You know, people get two weeks of vacation a year or four weeks or six weeks or 10 weeks or whatever the number is. And the reality is that's not enough. I used to tell my technicians they'd, they'd have paid vacation and they'd come in and they'd be like, Hey, can I, can I draw my vacation without taking a, you know, any time off? And we had a mandatory policy. No, because the reality is that's not a raise for you. That's a time for you to go recreate yourself. And so we need that. But the reason why we think of it as vacations is because we're just looking forward to that time off, which there's nothing wrong with that. But the reality is if we can just get passionate about life and take these recreations to reinvent or think of a higher version of ourselves, or what is it about my life that I'm not happy? And it might very well be your career and it might very well be your business. And that's okay too. You need to get out of that if you can't get happy within that. But the reality is, you know, most farmers back in the day, as I started with, they probably weren't passionate about waking up at 3 a.m. and, you know, milking the cows before they went out into the field and, and dragging those plows up, you know, along behind the oxen with, with no shirt on and, and suspenders and sweating because it's 97 degrees out and it hasn't rained for, you know, three weeks and they're stressed out because they don't have any irrigation. They weren't necessarily passionate about what they do. And so I think we have to put this in the right place. That's the fallacy of happy career, happy life, happy business, happy life. We need to flip that. 
If you create a happy life for yourself, you'll most likely be happy in your business. You'll most likely be happy with your investments. You'll most likely be happy with your career. And even when you're not, you can go through those hard times. You can go through those seasons that are going to exist. You can solve the challenges that happen. I've said this so many times, but the problems don't get smaller. We get bigger. We get better. If you talk to somebody that's extremely successful or running a, if you knew the problems and the challenges sometimes that I face behind the scenes, you, you would understand. And if I knew the problems and challenges that you face behind the scenes, I would understand. But the reality is none of that has to do with our internal happiness. We control that. We control that state. We control, ultimately, if you don't love your job, find another one. Because there's two jobs open right now for every one person looking. We are in a, we are still in an employee's market. So the reality is if people were really that unhappy with their job and they knew that it was their job that they were unhappy with or their career and not really their life and themselves, then they'd probably um, switch because there's so much opportunity out there right now. People just don't go get it because they know that the real problem is they're just not happy within themselves. So I don't care if you're a business owner. I don't care if you're an investor. I don't care if you're an employee. Um, it's human nature to want the grass that's on the other side of the fence. The grass is always greener on the other side. We're always looking for other things. Get happy within, and then we can get happy, you know, with our exterior things like our job, like our career. And so the fallacy is happy career, happy life, happy business, happy life, happy investments, happy life. Flip that on its head. What areas do you need to work on in your life where you're not happy? And I think this is about just de de designing a life that, you would want. And so the questions that we ask, whether it's in the couple's mastermind or we're coaching or whatever, they're the questions like, you know, if money and time didn't matter, what would you do? Where would you be? Where would you be working from? Oh, I couldn't work from Greece as Brian Lubin's doing because, you know, I work in a cubicle or my boss requires me to be in three days a week. Well, you couldn't or you won't because you don't know how to build a vision and a life without that particular job. What if you could go find the same job, making the same amount of money in a place that will allow you to work wherever? In this day and age, it's everywhere. And so it's not that you can't or I couldn't. It's that you haven't dreamed or dreamt far enough past that to really see it. And so again, we take, you know, through this process, I would just encourage you, if money and time wasn't an issue, where would you go? What would you do? What, what, what business would you be running? Maybe you'd be working a W-2 job because like I said earlier, there's nothing wrong with W-2 jobs. I think a lot of times, you know, because it sales courses and because it sales, um, you know, people trying to quit their hustle or, or start their hustle and quit their day job, I'm telling you, you're going to be just as frustrated in running a business as you are potentially your career at times because it isn't all that it's cracked up to be if you're not happy in your life. So what does an ideal life look like for you? I'm going to leave you with that. I would actually just encourage you to just really go, you know, maybe spend 30 minutes. It doesn't have to be a lot of time, but just pencil it out. What does an ideal life look like? Where would I go if I wasn't working right now? If I had a million dollars in the bank, where would I go? How would I get there? Would it be on a jet? Would it be first class? You know, would I, would I rent a Porsche instead of, you know, renting a Toyota Camry? All these types of questions. We don't dream enough. And I'll record another podcast on this because I've been thinking about this. Like we don't allow ourselves to dream. And so spend a little bit of time dreaming. And I think you'll realize that once you design that life that is by design, you won't be as frustrated with your career. I think probably that number would increase. 
I don't think it would only be 20% that feel very passionate about their jobs. I think that number would start going up if they felt passionate about their life, they'd probably feel a lot more passionate about their jobs. In fact, I think if you could talk to that 20% that's passionate about their job, they're probably pretty passionate about their life. So um, if you find value in this podcast, I would really love it if you would go leave me a five-star review uh, wherever you listen. Uh, leave a five-star review, uh, rate it for me. And if you could share this on whatever platform you like, social media-wise, so we can get more audience, more listeners um, that can benefit from these messages, I would really appreciate that. And one last thing, um, I am launching the private community. You've probably heard me talking about this. I'm super excited about this because I want to have intimate conversations like this specifically with people in a private community where it's not just me talking to you, we can communicate back and forth. And the reality is, you know, a lot of people have said, Hey, how do I coach with you? And I charge, I, it's, it's not inexpensive, uh, to coach with me one-on-one -on -one. it's, uh, you know, multiple five figure investment for, for six months. And so, um, there's a lot of people that have asked, you know, how Mike, how do I, how do I get involved? And, and it's either, you know, there's some courses that we're offering or it's either one-on-one -on -one coaching or get involved in the couples mastermind. But this private community that we're launching is going to be super awesome. I'm excited about it. It is a paid community, um, but I'm going to be in there a lot with my mentors and people that have impacted my life, experts in areas. Um, it Even the same people that come on the podcast, you'll hear from them, but it's going to be in a more intimate setting and they're going to talk about things. You know, I might ask questions like, oh, I always ask the four questions on the podcast, but I might ask questions like, um, you know, what's something that you wouldn't share with the public that has had the greatest impact on your life? So it's kind of next level questions that you'll get from the mentors. And again, I'm going to be in there live. And the way we're setting this up is in a private community. You'll have an app so you can interact directly with me. You can inter interact with anybody that's on the show, just like you could in Zoom chatting, et cetera. Um, and, you know, we can bring you in. It's, uh, it's just going to be awesome. So if you're interested in that private community, text the word ELITE to 480 7519. Uh, really appreciate you guys listening. And I'm super excited about the elite community because in this day and age with censorship and being concerned about what we can and can't say to have a community where we can have any conversation we want without the world seeing it, even just from a, um, you know, not being concerned about what people think with you, this is going to be a safe community where you can come and grow and learn. So text the word elite to 480-531-7519. Um, if you want to get on the early wait list, we'll be launching that in the next few weeks. If you've found value in this episode and you know someone who's wanting to start or move further along in their journey toward investing for freedom, I would be forever grateful if you would share this show with them and help me get this message out to more listeners. Also, if you enjoy what you've heard, I would appreciate it if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. And until the next episode, cheers to moving further along in your journey of investing for freedom.